Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today as we talk about what are you going to do? How are you going to help the people that you have the information that you're meant to serve? I appreciate you being here with me. I love spending this time together with you on the radio, on a podcast, wherever you might be catching me, whether it's on my website or it's on a dial-in radio station. I'm so glad for our time that we get together. My question again for you is, what are you going to do? You do have talents, treasures, things that you are amazing at. And we really, each of us, need to take the time to invest in taking what we know and being able to assist the people that really need what it is that we do. Maybe you're a, a personal assistant and you're really good at it. Now you need to take the next level to helping people understand how to make best use out of their personal assistance. Maybe you're a lawyer and there is a particular law issue or you're a law professor and there's a particular law issue that really, really is important to you. It maybe even sticks in your craw a little bit that it hasn't gotten taken care of. I mean, maybe you're an event planner and what you want to help people understand is how to do an event that really truly is profitable, how to create a profitable business. Maybe you're a financial planner and you know some secrets to helping a person retire powerfully with a strong portfolio, with money to be able to continue living the life that they had become accustomed to after they stop working. Maybe you have a forte in helping people go from, you know, working 60, 70, 80 hours a week to really truly actually working. I mean, there are things that talk about 12 hour work week and things like that. And I don't know about you, but I haven't figured out how to make those work. But I think all of us would love for that to be a reality if it could. Who are you? What do you know? And what are you gonna do? What are you going to do with what you know to help the people that you're meant to serve so that you can live as a thriving entrepreneur and so that they can live as a thriving entrepreneur and together all of us really truly thrive in our life and in our business. We have three really amazing guests and I want to jump right into it with you here as we discover and talk about what are you going to do here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Join me in welcoming Peter Adler. Hey, Peter, how you doing today? Hey, just fine. Thank you, Steve. So your book is called Circumcision is a Fraud and the Coming Legal Reckoning. But first, before we jump into your book, tell us just a little bit about your background and what you do in the world. Yeah, will do. So um, I was born in England and uh, I'm a UK, US citizen. Um, I, uh, I went to... Well, I studied philosophy, then I studied law at Virginia Law School. Um, I practiced law for, uh, well, I've practiced law since 1983, um, but I'm a professor of law, so I teach um, international law, business law, and international business at University of Massachusetts uh, uh, here near Boston. That's awesome. So circumcision is a fraud. Tell me, um, you know, what's a fraud about it? Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the book arose out of um, an offer by a physician to circumcise our son when my son was born. Um, and uh, I later learned it's common in the United States for physicians or nurses to ask the parents of newborn boys whether they want to have their son circumcised or not. Um, so then he said, uh, 
you know, uh, I thought to myself that I had never thought about it. And, uh, you know, he proceeded to tell me pretty good things about circumcision. Uh, It reduces the risk of urinary tract infections. It reduces the risk of penile cancer. It reduces the risk of some sexually transmitted infections. Now, interestingly, Steve, he said, but they don't justify circumcision. So then I was thinking, all right, well, so, you know, you know, is that the end of the conversation? Well, then he said, well, some parents elected for religious reasons. And I said, well, I'm not religious. Then he said, some parents elected for cultural reasons. And I was getting a little irritated. So I said, I don't care what people in other cultures do. And then he said, some parents elected um, for personal reasons. So I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, some parents elect it because when the father is circumcised, they want this, the, the son's penis to look like the father's penis. And I remember thinking that it's, that it's impossible that that's true. Um, I was thinking back to Tort's class, and um, there's just no way that a doctor licensed to practice medicine can take orders from a parent to perform an operation. I didn't know it was an operation at the time, but later I learned it is. Um, on a child because the parent elects it. So in other words, I started to not to trust the physician. So over a very long period of time of looking into it, I learned there's widespread opposition to it. I learned that the uh, that the legal that, sorry the medical claims that they make are not true. They portray the, the foreskin as a bad thing when it's normal and a good thing and men value it and it's the most sensitive part of the penis. Then they portray circumcision um, as a good thing, as having an array of health benefits, when actually it has very little prospect of of benefiting any boy or man. So that claim is false. And then they portray it as the mm, simple, uh, safe, and harmless snip of a useless piece of skin. And that's completely untrue. It's it's the opposite. Uh, It's the most sensitive part of the penis. Uh, It's extremely painful to circumcise a boy. It risks more than 50 complications. It can be fatal. So I realized these um, physicians and their medical associations, which are also trade associations, don't tell the truth about it. And then I started to think of uh, circumcision as an industry. So in business, you have a cycle where you get the raw materials, you manufacture them, you market them, you promote, you sell, uh, you service the customer and so on. So I started to think of circumcision as an industry. And I realized that from start to finish, um, the objective of the American medical profession is get parents to say yes. So for example, they use high pressure sales tactics in the hospital. The mothers have just given birth and they're out of it. They only give fathers a few minutes to decide. They badger parents on average eight times. Then they make these false medical claims. Then I realized they make false legal claims, the false legal claim that they have the right to perform the operation. Uh, it's child abuse to cut off a part of a child's body without a, a valid medical reason. Um, and um, so uh, they it's also, since it's child abuse and a crime, they're not allowed to invite parents to consent to it. So that's a false claim. Then I realized they use false diagnoses to bill for it. Um, and they commit Medicaid fraud. They swear on the Medicaid form that it's medically necessary to circumcise the boy when it never is at birth and rarely thereafter. And so I came to the conclusion it's a widespread fraud. So maybe, Steve, it would help, would it, if I try to put it into a couple of words, how, what the fraud is? Yes, um, absolutely. That um, doctors use a variety of unfair and deceptive uh, practices um, and uh, to persuade parents to give permission. As a result, they take something that men value and they have the legal right to keep and they thereby enrich themselves at the expense of their patients. So the, they get money, the boys lose the foreskin. The doctors win, the boys lose. And uh, they take something that the boys have a right to keep, to keep by deceiving the parents and thereby the sons. So I came to the conclusion this is a massive 150-year-old, multi-billion-dollar-per-year fraud. So if I'm hearing you correctly, um, it sounds like you're equating it to uh, some of the genital mutilation practices that are, you know, known in other countries, that there's quite an outroar in our country for having 
or wanting to have stopped to women in those other countries. So exactly. So both male and female genital cutting started thousands of years ago, and they started as a sacrificial religious practice and a painful rite of passage, basically for reasons having nothing to do with medicine. And so no one would ever today consent or uh, agree or think to argue that it would be a good idea to cut off part of a girl's genitals, even if it did have some possible health benefits like preventing the body part from becoming diseased. And so into the developed world, female genital mutilation, what's called mutilation, is considered odious and it's uh, illegal in um, the developed world and under international law. So there's a consensus among scholars, legal scholars, medical scholars opposed to genital cutting that the procedures are analogous. As a matter of fact, the foreskin of the penis is has a homologous or analogous part, um, the clitoral hood. See, you can't cut off a clitoral hood of a girl you know, who's healthy. That's child abuse. It's battery. It's a breach of fiduciary duty. And it's exactly the same thing if, you, if a doctor cuts off a healthy part of a child's body. So a big point of the book is that it will never be possible to justify male genital cutting any more than it would be possible to justify female genital cutting. And therefore, um, it violates boys' rights and it gives them uh, the right to sue under numerous um, provisions of law. So you talk about the coming legal reckoning. Uh, what is the coming legal reckoning? Yeah. So um, in, in Europe, uh, courts have already addressed this question. Is it lawful to circumcise a healthy boy? Um, and there was a landmark decision in Germany in 2012. And what the court held was that it is um, a crime, criminal assault, to circumcise a boy for religious reasons. And the court reasoned that it's harmful, it's irreversible. It reasoned that it violates the boy's right to bodily integrity and self-determination. And it further reasoned that boys' rights supersede their parents' rights. In other words, there's no religious right to have one's son circumcised. So in my book, I talk about mm, maybe seven other European cases, and they've all come to the same conclusion. Whenever there's a dispute where the father, who's usually religious and sincerely believes there's a right to circumcise, wants his son circumcised, desperate to circumcise the boy, the mother objects and they go to court. And the courts have ruled in every case, about eight cases, I'd have to add them up, but they're in my book, that, that the, the father doesn't have the right to have the boy circumcised, that rather the courts say that the parents have to leave the child alone until they reach the age of majority. When they reach the age of majority, they can do whatever they want. Um, so what I'm saying, the coming legal reckoning, is I'm saying lawsuits are coming to the United States, and they're already here. There are already cases of boys saying it's a battery to circumcise me. Um, and there's a suit against the American Academy of Pediatrics accusing it of having issued fraudulent guidelines that promote circumcision. There's also a lawsuit in Massachusetts um, claiming that the state Medicaid agency is violating the law by using Medicaid to pay for circumcision and not reviewing those payments. Um, so what I suggest is that lawsuits are coming to the US, I encourage them. It's not that I think lawsuits are a great idea generally, but after 150 years of false claims about circumcision, um, the American medical profession has made absolutely clear that they're never going to stop unless somebody stops them. So I encourage lawsuits by private individuals. Wow, that's a pretty big statement too, because I, you know, as you said, you, you don't typically encourage lawsuits. So uh, that's a big thing. Um, so I guess my question would be, you've cited several cases that happened in Europe. And, you know, as Americans, sometimes we get a little bit uh, snooty about European. Uh, how common is it from a law professor's standpoint for something that happens in Europe to then trickle over to the way the law begins to start being viewed here in the U.S.? Yeah, that's a very good question. Or another way to word it might be, you know, does it matter that European courts have decided the cases this way? So the first comment I was, would make is that these European courts have thoroughly analyzed 
the facts and they've unanimously come to this conclusion. So there's a consensus among these courts that this is the way the cases should be decided. Now, then you might say, well, um, a lot of these cases are in Europe and Europe has a different legal system. It has a civil law legal system, but these are fundamental principles of law. The uh, German court uh, said that there's a constitutional right to bodily integrity and self-determination in Germany. Well, there's a, a constitutional right to bodily integrity and self-determination um, in the United States as well and in all the Commonwealth countries. And in fact, these are fundamental legal rights that date back to the Magna Carta. These are the, the inalienable rights you might have heard of, you know, in high school studying um, uh, American history. But moreover, some of the cases, at least two, were decided in England. And England is a common law jurisdiction like the United States. In other words, our legal systems are, are the same. We, the U.S., literally adopted all of the British common law and the uh, legal systems are the same. So the, the question is, um, is the German court binding precedent? No. Is the European, the, 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 the UK decision binding? Well, it's not binding, but they're both very powerful precedent. And, you know, my book argues that the, the European courts and the UK courts have decided this correctly. And so it may take a while for US courts to come around because there's a lot of bias in the US in favor of circumcision. And there's a tendency to believe whatever doctors tell people. And what I'm saying in this book is, in my view, you cannot trust anything that physicians who circumcise say, or their medical associations, which are also trade associations, which are desperate to defend circumcision as a multi-billion dollar industry. In other words, I'm saying the doctors are in it for the money, the practice is indefensible. They'll never be able to defend it. And one day, hopefully soon, U.S. courts are going to rule that way. So what can the average person that's listening to this do besides, of course, being mindful of it? You know, should they have a male child? What else can they do? Yeah, well, you know, number one, you just mentioned if, if a parent has a, uh, has, is about to have a boy they're expecting, um, you know, there's a, uh, widespread opposition to circumcision. I mean, I would counsel just say no. I mean, if you change your mind later, you could always bring the child back. The fact is it isn't going to happen. So number one would be just say no. Um, the second, uh, you know, there's increasing opposition. Some people take to the streets. Uh, there's a, a, a group of uh, uh, people who protest the bloodstained men, and they also include women. Uh, you could protest. Uh, you could try to tell relatives and friends, hey, this isn't what we thought it was. It's not a good thing. Don't have your son circumcised. Spread the word. Don't let other people have their son circumcised. Um, so the, the, another thing that could be done is to, uh, to contribute money to uh, litigation efforts because litigation is uh, expensive. And, uh, you know, the American medical profession has mountains of money. And uh, private individuals, circumcised boys and men, you know, and their parents have comparatively, you know, very little. And litigation is expensive. So that's a, a big drawback to, uh, to litigation. And the book is called Circumcision is a Fraud and the Coming Legal Reckoning. I am going to put in the link for uh, people who didn't see it in the post <laughs> um, so that you can also get the book. Uh, it is available today for free on Amazon. Um, and then of course it'll continue to be available. It's doing really well already. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me on your show. I don't know about you, but I know for me, I learned some very shocking um, and some things that I didn't know. And that's why I love it when somebody takes something they're passionate about and they ask themselves, well, what am I going to do about it? And then they begin to share with the world, here's the information. Here's what I know that you don't know. This is why I'm passionate about that thing. And here's the information I can give you so that you can know better and do better, so that you can be passionate about it too, and that you can then truly thrive in all that you do. 
We are going to take our first commercial break, and then we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free, it's guaranteed, it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes your bestseller today.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call your bestseller today.com go to your bestseller today.com book a talk with steve it's proven it's guaranteed it's gonna happen all you have to do is say yes to your destiny Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. As I ask you the question, what are you going to do? What are the things that you know and now what are you going to do about them and with them? How are you going to make that impact in this world that only you can make? What are you going to do with what you know? What are the things that you can help the people in this world with. With that said, let's move right on to our next really amazing guest and see what else we can learn some insights in and we can learn how to thrive and we can ask ourselves the question, what am I going to do? Join me in welcoming Jessica Koch. Hey, Jessica, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yeah, glad to have you here with us. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Well, I am the Italian mother of seven. We have five girls and two boys. I have been married to the most amazing man on the planet for almost 23 years now. And he lights me up like a Christmas tree. Um, our youngest child is 10 and we have then a whole group of adult children. And I have been speaking nationally in the United States for about 25 years, internationally for about three years. And I have a firm that we do sales and marketing consulting, LinkedIn and social media training, and most excitingly, and which sets me on fire is we have this virtual assistant membership program because I feel like people should scale, grow, and live. And that means outsourcing and replacing yourself. So tell me more about the virtual assistant membership program. How does that work? So we have a team at this point. Well, really how it started was I kept getting calls from my sales clients and um, my other clients for the things we were doing for them on, on social media to say, how do you get everything done? We were just giving them some training and all of the millions of micro tasks I need to do to make all of these magical things work. And I kept getting that call for about last July for about a week. I get, I got, I got 10 of the same question. I think that's when the universe is dialing you and saying something. When 10 people call you and ask you the same question, you probably should do something about that. <laughs> and I kept saying, how do you get all these things done? And I said, well, I don't, I don't do it. I'll have this amazing team. And at that time I had a team that was only working for me um, for projects I needed. And it was anywhere from 12 to 20 people, depending on what we, you know, based on project need or specialty or whatever and they were all from many different countries some from australia some from the united states some from canada some from the philippines you know all different places and walks of life uh, with different skill sets and so then when i shared that with people they were like well how do you do that you know and how does that work and how do you find them and how do you hire them and you know how do you train them and how do you manage it so I thought, well, I'm either going to start kind of a done for you agency where now we have about 30 different VAs from six different countries that I've trained on my systems and processes. However, everything um, for the membership program is custom. So people can buy blocks of hours 
So 20, 40, 60 or 80 hours a month. And then they get assigned a lead person and a support person. I have um, a manager overseeing that entire division and we help them, you know, organize and plan the projects and we train the team. It's a give and take. They train the team some for things that are very unique to them. And then we have the team already trained and are constantly getting new high level trainings for different things that are happening in social media and what's trending and what's working and how's the algorithm change and all those nonsense kind of things that you're constantly changing and, and chasing, right? Um, so there's that. And then the even more exciting thing is I am about to be complete with a course and it'll be up on my site soon for those people who really aren't ready for an agency to support them yet, but really would just like to go and learn how to find their own. Uh, we're creating a training course on sourcing your own virtual assistant and all the things that they need to know in order to take that leap and that step. So uh, 20, 40, 60, loud motorcycles in the background, all of that. Um, <laughs> until I live near a military base, can't you? Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, what does, what does it look like? I mean, most people, their biggest argument is I can't afford a virtual assistant. So what are we talking about money-wise? Well, when you're sourcing them yourself, it's it's just so magical and brilliant because there is some extra work you have to put into it, but it's so amazingly affordable. Anybody can do it. I love this story. My favorite customer um, story is this. I had a client. They only had, you know, they just gotten started in there and working their own company, going off on their own to do their own coaching and consulting. And they had a handful of clients, but they didn't feel quite first of all, I didn't feel like, oh, can I justify hiring someone already? But there were so many things that were keeping them from their family and they knew they could scale quicker if they just had some extra help and they were really torn. And so, you know, ingeniously they looked around their house and they said, okay, I can put a couple of these things up on Facebook marketplace, take that couple of hundred dollars, you know, a little nest egg four or $500 and say, that's going to be my initial VA pot of gold, right? That's going to be the funding just for that. And then they were able to brilliantly scale over the next two years and bring on more and more virtual assistants and grow their business because they took that leap. Uh, and that customer story and that favorite client is myself. That is actually my story. So when I started, I um, <laughs> I had the 10-year-old daughter. She wasn't 10 at the time, but she was much younger. And we had a lot of, you know, toys and clothes and things she just wasn't using. We put them up on our marketplace. I think I, I pulled together around four or $500. I decided, okay, this is it. I'm taking the leap. I'm going to find a virtual assistant to do all these things so that I can be playing Yahtzee and walking by the water and hanging out with my family and still have my business scaling and doing all those follow-up tasks and social media tasks and all the things that I didn't want to feel like, oh, I didn't get that checked off the list today, you know? And uh, it was, it's been a brilliant turnaround for my entire corporation and my, and my life. It's, it's just been wonderful. There's something magical about giving someone a task and them just doing it. You know what I mean? Yes, you, I, I so do. Even better, if you like go to bed and you wake up in the morning with something done. Yes, it's like the little elves in the shoemaker. I have to tell you, that is when I knew I was in love with this. I didn't realize it was such a deep passion for me because my gift and talent is sales and marketing development and really reaching um, large, large audiences and large organizations, right? I work with government sales and Fortune 1000. And really, I mean, I have this gift and I love that I got excited that I could share people's brilliance and their passion with help them wrap their whole arms around the world with it right and get their word out and I thought this is the passion for me but then I I found this additional passion of let's do that and not have to do all the work too right I remember sitting it was I hadn't been doing it long myself and I was still in the growing stage and I was sitting in the living room after dinner after a walk on the boardwalk with my husband and my my she wasn't 10 that much my, my little girl and then we were all sitting playing Yahtzee and I were I started to see in my mind and I'm sure this has happened to you where you're not fully present right I started to see in my mind this 
list, this checklist of things that needed to get done. And then I realized, oh, this one, this one, this one. Patricia's doing them right now. My assistant is working on it at this moment. And there was this peace and this comfort and this ability to be present with my family, knowing that the work is getting done and I'm not, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. You know, that was, it's just, it really is, um, it's an addictive feeling. So <laughs> I'd, I will never go back. <laughs> mm, for sure. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I can tell you from the other side of that equation, hopefully you never experienced this, but I can tell you that once you've had one, if you then have to go to a place where you're doing those things they've been doing, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, it's like, go to the dentist. I mean, <laughs> I well, I did sort of have that experience for just a hyper second because my person hurt her back and couldn't work for six months. So I quickly scrambled and had to replace her and retrain. So now, as you heard, my system is... Is I don't ever let my clients go through that. They always have a lead person and a support person because uh, everybody in my company is cross-trained. And even the person who is overseeing the majority of the division for me, we're about to train two more people. So there are three people who can do everything she does in her job on the company and in the team. Um, that's super, super important. Yeah, no. And the other reason sometimes people have to go back to doing it themselves is because they're not, they're, you know, it's not the return on investment that they thought it was going to be. Well, I have a formula for that too. And that's going to be included in the course. But I, I show you tasks um, that your team members should be doing that are, we break it into thirds. It's one third money-making actions, one third social media actions. And the last third is the custom admin -y stuff that's unique to you. This way, if you always make sure you look at the time that you're putting with your team member for that month and you break it into those thirds, the revenue is always going to scale itself and it'll be a no-brainer. So now I know people that have hired people from the Philippines and you hear all these crazy numbers, you know, like, yeah, you know, I have a, an assistant and I pay them $100 for the whole month to work full-time, you know, those kind of things. What What's really real when you hire somebody so like possible. that? <laughs> it depends on what you're willing to put into them. So it's very possible to have anywhere from um, one of my favorite sites, and I'll share the link in the course, and I'll share the link with your audience if you like. But um, one of my favorite places, I source my people that is global. It's everything from literally a dollar an hour to $1,000 an hour. That's genuinely the range. And there are real skilled people for every bit of those dollars and everywhere in between. If you are willing, and if you take my uh, amazing course <laughs> that we'll make sure Steve has an affiliate link for if he wants one, uh, once it's launched in about a week, um, it, you will learn how to take that person who is really in your budget, give them just a little bit of the right kind of love and training, and they'll be brilliant for you. You know, so there really is a way to do this amazingly affordable. And I encourage people to, okay, so you can get someone for two or $3 an hour. That's fantastic. But now what? So if you, you invest in them and you train them, then you need to be planning somewhere down the road, in my opinion, giving that person a little bit of a boost or a bonus for reaching a goal together. So if your goal is to reach 10,000 followers on Instagram and they help you do that, let there be some sort of celebration bonus that goes to this person for that. And, you know, make goals that are tangible and trackable that together you can both be excited about uh, give them something to reach for. And then also if you're going, the other thing I train in my training course is this, and this is hugely important since we're on the topic is respect their culture, learn, learn a bit about them, understand and respect their holidays and their family time and what their values are and make sure you guys can work together in that. And you should find some of that out front in the interview, but there is a, um, there is some really uh, deep traditions. And one of is in December, you know, it used to be a tradition, even in the United States, if you ask me, is the boss would give a Christmas bonus, right? Well, there's a holiday or a seasonal bonus that is traditional in the Philippines. So whatever culture you're working in or, or know, 
you know, when they're going to need more of extended vacation and just plan around it, you know, as long as the tasks are done and then, you know, in advance and you can get everything done, that's the most important for whatever it is going on in your business, um, then you'll have a much better relationship with this person. Such, such good advice. So talk to us about all the help you're going to give us, because I know there's somebody out there that's like, I tried it before and I completely failed because I don't know how to train people. Yeah. So that, I mean, either program really helps you for that. So whether you decide to work with us from an agency standpoint, we really give you a better, more, more strategic guidance through the process or if you decide to go ahead and take the training course and the guide, we take you through every single section of the process, everything from, you know, why do you need one? What do you do before you start the hiring process to get ready? What uh, do you, what do you write in the job post? We give you sample job posts and things you need to think about when you're putting in there. And then down to the, how do you organize the projects? How do you track their time? How do you pay them? what things should they be doing for you? And that's a very long list. And truthfully, after that video and guide kind of click and buy one off, they can run and really be successful, or they could stay a part of our um, monthly uh, mastermind and continuing education piece for virtual assistants, where we'll continue to, there's so many thousands of things a VA can do for you. And to have a click by click video of here's a great thing that's going to help your business grow that your VA could be doing for you and a click by click video to go with that and a chance to ask questions and collaborate with me as a consultant for you with your VA, even bring your VA to those meetings is a great benefit. And that'll be an um, annual membership that we'll release in probably about a month. So in about a week or two, the, the first product will go out. And then in a month, we'll have that support that's ongoing, that's an annual membership. And then we already have the agency live and going. And we learned a lot from the agency. So we've taken this knowledge and then created these other ways to serve with it. That is so awesome. So we've teased them about the agency and working with you. <laughs> um, how does a person who would like to work with you get in contact with you? They would just um, reach out to me on my website. Please tell me that you heard uh, about me from a Steve's Amazing podcast uh, because I'd love to give him a love. Um, I believe that money is energy and I have a referral program and affiliate program for everything that I do because the more you move that money around, I think the more powerful it is we impact the planet. Uh, so please, if you hear about this and me and decide to go to www.jessica. L, don't forget the L, Koch.com. So that's jessicalkoch.com. Uh, make sure when you reach out to me that you say that you found me because of Steve. Thanks. Just for people who know uh, or don't know, J-E-S-S-I-C-A-L-K-O-C-H.com. Thank you. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us here on the show today. I really appreciate your time. This was my pleasure and joy. I'm so honored uh, to be your guest. And I have to tell you, I'm awful tempted to write a book now. We're going to have to talk. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> what are the things that you know that you do so powerfully? You do them with grace and ease. Maybe even the thing that you found yourself not realizing how important even yes, imperative it is to somebody else who struggles with that same very thing. What are you going to do with it? How can you make this world a better place simply just by being the best version of yourself while it's called today? I encourage you to think about that while we take another quick commercial break here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. 
<laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we ask you the question, what are you going to do? What is that thing that you know so well that you can show up powerfully in somebody else's life and help them take their life to the next level? Maybe it is a legal issue that you need to bring to people's attention. Maybe it's simply how to make better use of personal assistance like we've talked about in the last two uh, segments. Now let's talk about profit. How can you make a better profit, put on a better event, do the things that really fulfill the world in the way that you are meant to do so? What are you going to do? Let's talk to our next guest and see if we can find you with some insights on how to. Join me in welcoming Marley Major. Hey, Marley, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I am doing really good, thanks. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. That's a great question and a very long one. So I'll try to keep it short. So I currently have a catering and event planning company based in LA called The Party Goddess. And we have, we are full service. We handle every aspect of an event from concept to completion, which is very exciting. And we have a lot of celebrity clients and high profile clients and, you know, Britney Spears and Snoop Dogg and all kinds of people who really keep me on my game. And I graduated from Georgetown and got my business degree. And the reason that is relevant is because even though I had a business degree from Georgetown, and even though I'm basically a serial entrepreneur, I wrote a business book to solve my own problems because what I found out was that I had a very difficult time applying what I learned in school to my business. So I kind of had this whole right brain, left brain thing going on. So now I consult with other creative challenged entrepreneurs and I have the profit goddess. So that's sort of my those are my two spots at the moment. That is really cool. So doing events, um, uh, you know, they're really difficult, <laughs> but also fun. Right. Um, you know, what do you find is the thing that most people need the most help with? I think kind of corralling the whole project. So it's funny to me because events are really just another form of project management, right? And it's like, if you talk to somebody and you say, hey, listen, they want to redo their house or they want to fix their business or they want to, what happens is this tremendous overwhelm. They're sitting there going, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this event. And it's like, it just feels like they're trying to boil the ocean. And so what, what I help with is to narrow things down and say like, okay, well, wait a second what's really the goal? And people laugh. Like they're like, no, this is a social event. And I'm like, well, I know, but what's the goal? Like, did you just lose weight and you want to show off? Did you just get divorced and you want to like, you know, get a new man? Like, do you want to just have fun after COVID because you haven't had fun? Like, is it, you know, are you trying to impress somebody for your husband's business? Like really what's the goal? And if the goal is just to be like relaxed and chill and have fun, that's going to set a completely different tone than if the goal is to you know, raise money for a fundraiser. So I think I help people kind of narrow their focus and then really pare things down so that it's like a manageable list of, of what needs to get done so they can still have fun 
and not just be like, oh my gosh, this whole thing is just, you know, a chore. Mm, for sure. Um, I mean, is it really possible to have fun when you're the organizer for an event? <laughs> I will tell you that the <laughs> likelihood goes up. It sounds like you have planned some. The likelihood goes up the more, let's say it's uh, proportional to the amount you've planned, okay? And you're talking about a girl who when she does her own events, a lot of times I kind of fly certainly by the seat of my pants because I know the process like inside out, right? But I find the more I do ahead of time, then I really can enjoy myself, even right down to scheduling when I'm going to get in the shower, when I'm going to get my makeup done and when it's going to be done. And that might sound absolutely ridiculous and like it has nothing to do with party planning. But I promise you, if you kind of lay things out and, and do as many things as you can well before the date of the event, it's going to be so much simpler. So let's say if you're entertaining at home, right? Well, first thing I would do is, you know, have like a printed list of all the menu items. And then I would have next to them, like what platter are they going on? What serving piece? And I put post-its on all those things. And I just set all of them aside because that's stuff that, you know, the plates aren't going to go bad. <laughs> you're going to have it all organized and you're going to go, oh shoot. And then you're going to find out on Monday instead of Saturday, wait a second, I don't have enough serving, you know, good serving pieces, right? Oh my gosh, like half of my platters are chipped or this looks ridiculous. These are red and these are blue. You know, it's not going to look right. So those things make you feel so much more confident going into it. And it's just really all about lists and lists and lists so that when the day of comes, I mean, I've spent so many days where I'm just like, ah, you know, you barely can get in the shower and that's when it's not fun. But if you really have everything organized and, and also ask for help, like people love to help, but be specific, you know, like I have an evergreen list of stuff that's just kind of like, stuff people can do. And so they're like, oh, can I help? And I'm like, absolutely. Would you please, you know, it might be like, you know, take, get the spots off the serving pieces, or it might be pull the ice out, or it might be put the ice in the ice bucket, you know, just all this stuff so that people stay out of your hair and don't drive you crazy. Um, and things get done at the same time. You said so many powerful things, but I want to go back to one of the things you said very first, and that's really understanding the outcome, the why, the purpose. Yeah. Um, and I know most, I mean, I can even think of most of the events I did. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, most people skip that. Um, yeah. How do we, since that's not normal for people's thought process, how do we determine what we really should be doing with the event? Well, I think the easiest, whenever I get stuck or, or too much in my head and, and believe me, you know, you can't read the label from inside the jar. So if I was having an event, I, I would be like all tongue tied about like, I don't know, like, what do I really want to, uh. so first thing I would do is just brainstorm, no judgment, write it all out. Right. And writing it all out might just be words. Like it might just say, you know, we might start out with kind of dumb generic words, like fun, lively. And then it might go to, oh, beautiful flowers. And then it might go to candlelight. And then it might go to great, uh, you know, hair blown out. Or it might like, it might be, or it might just be like send invitations out so that all my friends, you know, from whatever, back East come. And what happens is you, you kind of do this data dump. And at first it feels like this is the dumbest thing ever. What does this have to do with anything? But when you step back and then reread it, you'll see some patterns. And what you'll notice is, wow, every single thing you put down made it sound like this was kind of going to be a formal event. And that is the last thing you thought, right? Or everything that you wrote down was like comfort words, you know, like you were like hot chocolate bar or, you know, close friends only, or just the you know, your besties or just, and that's how you can start getting structure to something that is totally amorphous. That makes so much sense. 
gosh, where were you over all the years that I've done so many of these? Um. <laughs> Believe me, practicing getting this part right. It's, it's not, it's, it sounds so like, oh, what's the big deal? But it really, it really, really changes things. And then, and then if you kind of keep that goal in mind, the other than, than what I do, and I even do with my friends, is like, if you have the goal in mind, right? And the goal is just to have the best time and to relax and to not worry and to let your hair down and all the things. Well, then let's say that it, it comes like it's the week before and one of your friends says, hey, can I bring so-and-so? Your knee-jerk reaction is probably going to be like, yeah, but if you stop and think, wait a minute, what was the goal from this party? The goal was to totally chill, relax, not worry. And, and if you say to yourself, listen, that chick is always posting stuff to social media. She's always outing somebody. She's just drama. Then guess what? your goal of your event made the decision for you because she doesn't fit the criterion. And then you can say to your friend, listen, I would love to any other time, but you know, this one's only going to be the closest, you know, whatever, our best girlfriends. This is going to be only uh, people that aren't you. <laughs> exactly. Only the people that are not her. <laughs> so, um, so many things we could talk about about pitfalls, but what would you say is the biggest thing that a person just totally doesn't even think about doing? They totally overlook. Well, planning the space and really planning, like walking through. So planning the space in two ways. One, logistically, you're going to go through the front door or you're going to go around the back or you, and I literally walk the space. Even if it is my own house, I will be like, ding dong, ring the bell. Right. And I have a, um, a pad of paper and, you know, pens and I go around and I, I take notes and I go, whoops, the paint next to the doorknob is chipped. That is awesome. And then make a note to get that fixed. And then I go, okay, ding dong. And then, you know, pretend somebody's going to answer the door. Hi, how are you? And then I think it through like, oh, do I want people, do I want somebody to open the door and be like, oh, hi, here's a glass of wine or champagne, or do I want them, is the door, front door going to be open? Am I just expecting people to, to come in? Is it going to be winter? Oh, that's weird. The front door is going to be open. It's going to be 30 degrees or wait, who am I going to have answer the door? I'm having 30 people come. I don't want to go every time the doorbell rings. You know what I mean? Like, all these things start coming to light when you walk when you walk through and then say like, okay, where's the next thing? Well, most people are going to then head to the bar, right? Just not necessarily because they're alcoholics, but because they want to like, okay, now what? You know, you want to have something that kind of anchors you into the party. So sort of feel that way. Like, do you have to pass by the couch? Do you have to, like, can you get to the bar? And remember the bar is always going to be a bottleneck. So I always say, put the bar in the farthest, most undesirable place of the party that you want people to land, right? Cause they're going to get there no matter what they'll stand there in a snowstorm. It won't make any difference. And you see, kind of see where I'm going with that and then be like, okay, where are people go through, you know, is it going to be stations and where would people throw away trash and all, and like, where are you going to collect dishes and are you going to have them sitting in the sink if like you have an open floor plan is everybody going to see that you know what I'm saying but the other thing too a huge pitfall that, that people that I see all the time in not planning the space people aren't naturally good at realizing how things work spatially and what I mean by that is they think oh they've got five flower arrangements and that that's going to fill up the whole party and you realize, no, it is a blank canvas and this looks so bad, it looks totally empty, right? So my rule of, um, you know, more in non-COVID times, but is to have people kind of more densely packed together. Now you can still do that, obviously, if you know your friends and everybody's vaccinated and, you know, you set those rules, but the, it creates more of a buzz. What you don't want is something that's like, we're gonna use the whole house and the whole backyard and then you've got everything all spread out and it just feels like even you have a party of 250 people, but if the yard is big enough, it's gonna feel like nobody's there. So it really is about, I think the space because that just affects everything. So tell me that you can help people no matter where they are, you can help them via Zoom or something like that. We can. Now for our event planning company for the Party Goddess, we have now very high minimums. So um, yes, I, we can help you via Zoom, but uh, 
you know, I don't know how else to say it. It it is not inexpensive because we've been at it for a long time and we love like, you know, complicated, amazing projects. But that being said, they can still get tons of ideas and everything else from like our Instagram, from our website, from our blogs. And we've done so many TV segments and stuff that a lot of this like great info, they'll be like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed. You know, it's probably been covered in something. So that's a great place to start. So give us your Instagram and your blog and your that stuff. So, okay, the, the website, which if you go, um, it will be like a wealth of information and it's thepartygoddess.com and it's two Ds, two S's, so G-O-D-D-E-S-S.com. And when you get to the homepage, you can go right there and you can find our Instagram, but our Instagram is at thepartygoddess, same thing, two Ds, two S's. And then the uh, blog, thepartygoddess.com slash blog, or you can just click on the button that says blog or click on the button that says press and you'll see all kinds of podcasts and you know tons of information and 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 like what we're doing here some of them you know deeper dives that will hopefully keep you out of the weeds so you can have a fun time planning your party well that is really awesome i mean i think we could have gone on for a whole couple hours talking just about the that stuff and we didn't even get into your other business yet but um, we'll have to have you together again another time and talk about that stuff too thank you so much for all the help and tricks and tips uh, i really appreciate it you are welcome and let's just encourage everybody to get out there and start socializing and you know turn this year around that has not been so fun so far as far as events go so thank you for having me Steve. I really want to put on an event and I want to call it hug con and I want everybody to just come and just hug each other you know and it it sounds a little creepy I know but you know I don't mean anything like that it's just it's like we all just need a big hug <laughs> a big hug and a big like take a deep breath like that's what I feel like all the servers and waiters and everybody should just wear is like a big t-shirt that says take a deep breath right oh absolutely well Marley thanks so much for being on the show with me here today thank you what did you decide that you're going to do with you you know the age-old phrase what am I going to do with you have you ever asked yourself that question in the mirror you see because here's the thing that I know positively, and that's that you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose, and the world, ugh, the world so needs you. But until you ask yourself that piercing question, what are you going to do? The world isn't going to force it out of you. It'll just continue to sit there and be a hidden gem, begging, crying to come out. And until you do it, it'll just sit there being a treasure, just like a diamond buried in the earth. Or just like a lump of diamond that hasn't been chiseled to look beautiful and be set in a ring. That is what our skills and our talents are. Until we ask ourselves, what am I going to do? And then we take up the mantle of being the best you that you can be while it's called today, to show up in the world, to be who we're meant to be, and to live every day of our life as a thriving entrepreneur. I hope until we're together again next time, you find yourself happy, safe, warm, and loved, that you do ask yourself, what am I going to do? And that you come up with a powerful answer that makes that difference that only you can make in this world. And then until we're together again next time, you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs>
<laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You are-